birthday. This past week, I got to celebrate my grandfather's 92nd birthday with them and our family. And uh, today, they've been married 69 years, and uh, they've been in ministry for over 70 years, 70 years. They've taught me outside of Jesus more about life than anybody else, um, and uh, they're, they're my heroes, my grandfather especially. Uh, last December, I was given the opportunity to write an article in the magazine, The Christian Standard, about lessons of my grandfather, and I shared six short stories about how that lessons are, are caught oftentimes rather than taught verbally, and so much of the times that he had taught me, it wasn't a, a sit-down moment. As a matter of fact, he didn't know school was even in session when he was teaching me, and he taught me more about attitude and actions, and he taught me more about serving sacrificially than anybody else in my life. And he's a hero of mine because I don't know how you can be in ministry for 70 years and deal with people off and on over time and uh, not get callous and cold toward them, not to just begin to push people away. Because oftentimes in ministry, you start seeing people not as the pain that they have in them, but you start seeing people as problems. And it's very difficult to kind of walk that line, to, to work with people and not see them as problems, but to, to see people that have pain, that cause them problems, and to be very sensitive and uh, have an empathy and a sympathy towards them. And, and he's been able to, to, to walk that for 70 years, and it just... It just makes me wonder, how do you do that? And I, I think I discovered how you do that is, is in grace, uh, you've experienced it, and so you want to show that experience to other people. And so I, I was saying it like this. When I live in God's grace, I'm energized to, to love people and to serve God sacrificially. And some of you need to write that down because you're in a, you're in a dry place right now, and, and grace ain't your place. Uh, you're, you're in a place right now where you're negative and you're not positive about people. You're, you're pushing people away and you become cold and callous towards people. And I'm saying the reason why you may become cold and callous towards people is because you've become cold and callous towards the grace of God in your life. When I live in God's grace, I'm energized to love people and to serve God sacrificially. You know, back in 1948, Niagara Falls had stopped flowing. It stopped flowing for like 30 hours, and people had woke up because of the sound of silence. They'd never heard the silence without the, the rushing roar of the waterfall. And they woke up, and some people even thought it was the end of the world. They thought the apocalypse had happened. No, what had taken place was on Lake Erie, a series of icebergs had come, and they had crowded out the mouth of the Niagara River, and they'd stopped the flow of water. And without the flow, there were no falls. I'm just telling you that if you become someone in this life that becomes callous towards God's grace and you think you can earn your way to heaven or become legalistic and follow the laws out of duty or ought to, you're going to become cold and indifferent to God. And that's going to block you. That's going to block you from being compassionate. That cold indifference is going to block the flow of your life from being compassionate to people because you... You aren't receiving the compassion that God has shown you. You've turned yourself into a legalist rather than into a lover. You know, the Apostle Paul, he has this uh, idea that he says uh, there's the law of Christ and there's the law of, of love. And that law of love is, is what, uh, or rather the law of Christ is the law of love. And that law of love is something that trumps the, the law of Moses any day. It trumps legalism any day because love's going to take you further than the law ever will. Uh, you know, we've been learning this, this whole summer about breaking up with religion and beginning a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It's my hope that, that over the last nine weeks, you've been, you've been wanting that, and maybe some of you have found that, that you've found a relationship with Jesus maybe for the first time 
and years of your faith. That you're, It's not about the religion. It's not about the duty. It's not about the ought to or the obligation. It's about the love that we've been shown from God and that we've experienced. And now we're compelled and we're driven, uh, not out of willpower, but out of God's, God's power to show grace to other people. And, and you've caught that relationship with God through Jesus. But we've been talking about that freedom that comes with grace and also the responsibility that comes along with that freedom. And as we close out in Galatians 6 today, turn with me there to this letter. It's a, it's a picture of freedom that Paul has for us. But in that picture of freedom, Paul also has a promise for you and me that when we stay in grace, there's going to be some great things that come about out of it. And there's going to be a receiving of grace that we experience. But as we receive that grace, the law of Law of, law of love or the law of Christ says when we receive grace, we're going to show grace. It's going to become a natural response of our heart. Galatians chapter 6, verse 14. Paul teaches us the law of love, the, the, the receiving and giving of compassion. And here's what he says in verse 14. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. What, what Paul does is he's painting this picture and, and he's also given us this promise that he's really saying of his own life, my life's not based on a code. My life is based on Christ. My life is not about following a religion. My life is about getting into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And when he found that out, that wasn't about religion, it was about relationship. Guys, that transformed his life. It, it revolutionized it. He became a radical for Jesus and he surrendered and uh, he did powerful things in the name of Jesus because it wasn't centered on religion. It was centered on a relationship. When he discovered that it, that it wasn't about obeying the Old Testament law, but rather, about, about rather giving in to Christ's law, the law of love, it changed his outlook. And through the relationship that you all have with Jesus, you get to experience this freedom. And that freedom is found in, in God's grace. And with that grace that you've experienced, the idea that Paul's driving home is now it's going to change you. It's going to change the way the way you relate to people, the way you see the world. It's going to change your attitude. And you're going to go from this, this worldly mindset that has a me focus, a self-centered focus. And like Paul, you're going to find yourself being focused on others and focused on Christ. And you're not going to be the center of attention anymore. And some of you are like scared by that because you like being the center of attention. But you know, at the heart of the gospel, the, the gospel is about a person and that's Jesus. It's not about you. And the center of attention is, is Jesus Christ himself. And there's one law, the law of love or the law of Christ, which says love God and love others. It doesn't have anything to do with you. It about has everything to do with your relationship with God and experiencing grace so that you can show grace to others. And I know that's, that's difficult for you because some of you are in a place right now where you don't want to show love to others. You don't want to serve God. You don't want to be sacrificial to people because you're still in this me-focused uh, thinking. And I'll tell you what, I can get there too. And I've been there before my faith, in my journey of faith, where I've just thought about myself and, and I saw my serving as more of volunteering, like I'm filling a spot and the church should be happy about it, rather than serving the Lord out of the, out of the compulsion and love in my heart. And when I find myself in those places, that's when my life becomes pretty dim and dull. That's when I become callous towards people. That's when I wonder, can I make it 70 years in ministry? out of my own willpower, under my own goodness, under my own kindness. And you know what I discover? I can't. If I'm going to do it out of my own goodness, if I'm going to do it out of my own kindness, people are going to become a problem to me. And I'm going to quit seeing their pain, and I'm going to become apathetic towards them. 
But when I have Christ in my life, and I'm receiving his grace, and I'm in a relationship with him, and I'm getting that daily flow of God's love in my life, it's going to be a natural response of my heart to show that love, to show that grace, to go further with compassion than I ever would go on my own willpower or goodwill or my own, my own push of my own life. And I know it can be frustrating. Some of you are frustrated right now in your, in your serving. You're, you're not serving anymore because you're not tapped into God's grace anymore. You're seeing your service as an attempt to earn God's favor or as an attempt to get the guilt off your back. And, and you're not a servant around here. As a matter of fact, you're so broken, you see yourself as a slave. You're a slave to people. You're a slave to the guilt or you're a slave to Christ. And Christ says, no, I don't want you to be a slave. I want to develop something in you differently than that. I want you to have a servant's heart. And there's a difference between slave and servant. And what Jesus Christ does is he changes your heart, see. When you come to Jesus and you experience that grace, your life is completely changed. And you no longer see service as something that you have to do. You see it as something that you want to do. And Jesus understood that you'd become a depleted person one day. He understood that you would walk away from grace and that more than likely you would start relying on your own willpower and good deeds to get things done. And, and, and when you find yourself in that position, you start saying things like this. So here's, a, here's kind of a barometer to find out if you're there right now of relying on your willpower rather than God's power. If you say things like, I need to stop helping others and I need to start helping myself. Or how about things like this? I need to stop focusing on others and I need to start focusing on my needs. I need to take care of me so then once I get healed up, I can start healing up others. Friends, those aren't the responses of someone who's in grace. That's the response of someone who is a depleted person. That's a depleted person. And Jesus knew we'd be there. So he said things like this in Matthew chapter 11. He said, come to me all who you are weary and carry heavy burdens. Like anybody here carry a burden? Don't everybody raise their hand at once and lie, okay? Don't do that. All of you are weary and carry heavy burdens, and, and, and I'll give you rest. You take my yoke, and that's a term for teaching. Jesus says, you take my teaching upon you. And that's the idea that you're applying Jesus' teaching. You're not just knowing it. You're living it out. Let me teach you, Jesus says, because I'm humble and I'm gentle of heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. And what Jesus is teaching us here is if you come to him, you're going to find your burdens lifted in life. And serving is not going to become an obligation. It's not going to look at something as an I have to, but it's going to change within you. It's not going to be burdensome to love on other people or go to the extra mile or turn the other cheek or give of yourself more than they're really asking. Let me say it like this. When I rest in Jesus' grace, I see serving others as a get to, not as a have to. And some of you are in that place you get, you, you're at the place where you say, I get to serve people. I get to show compassion. to people. I get to be involved in their lives. I get to help people out. And you've recognized that God's shown you grace. You're experiencing grace. You're experiencing his compassion. And, and you want to just show everybody that same kind of grace. You want everybody to know about that same kind of compassion that you have found yourself. But when that service becomes an obligation, when he comes just propelled by your own willpower, it's going to wear out. Experience of God's love and God's grace will take you further than you thought you can go. And here's what it does. It changes you so that you become a difference maker for God's kingdom. Now, I want to be a difference maker for God's kingdom. I want you all to be different makers for God's kingdom. And what grace does is it changes me so that I can go be a difference maker for God's kingdom. To understand this in greater depth, go to Galatians 5. Go to Galatians 5 and look at verses 13 and 14. 
Here's what it says. Paul says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Like, don't rely on your, don't rely on your duty or your obligation as the reason why God loves you. You were called to be free. Rest in his grace. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Do you see what he's saying? You're free. What are you free to do? You're free to serve. You're free to serve everyone humbly and, and, and in love. Verse 14, for the entire law is fulfilled. All of the 600 laws that are in the law of Moses, from Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all those laws that you see there. He says, let's just sum it up in one law. The law of Christ, the law of love, and keeping this one command. And let's read it out loud. What does it say? Love your neighbor as yourself. You see, you have two choices with your freedom. If you're a person who's saved, you have two choices. You can use that freedom to just dive into yourself, to fulfill your own longings, to fulfill your own pleasures, and to live as you want to live. But that's going to lead to some trouble in life. And Paul eventually talks about that in Galatians 6. Or you can use your freedom to experience grace, to experience compassion, to experience God's love, so that it ignites something within you and empowers you, compels you, and takes you further than your kindness wherever go so that you can then unleash that into other people's life. And Paul was slow to mention this aspect of what grace does in your life. Paul was slow to mention that, that grace really compels us to serve because service oftentimes leads us to legalism. Service oftentimes leads us to a place where we become slaves or doing things out of duty and obligation. And Paul's like holding this teaching back to the last chapter, to the last few uh, paragraphs of his letter because he didn't want people getting caught up in thinking that if they serve more, God will love them more. Now he's saying, understand and rest that God already loves you. He accepts you. You don't deserve it. He accepts you. Land in his grace, and that will compel you. That experience will compel you to show grace to others. That experience will compel you to be compassionate to others and to serve others. Legalism makes you a slave. The law of Christ develops a heart of a servant within you. And you know, you can always... You can always serve someone without loving, but you can't love someone without serving them. And let, let, let's say it like this. When, when love becomes my motivation, nothing can hold me back from helping. When love becomes my motivation, there ain't nothing that's going to hold me back from helping you. And being in Christ will set you free. And what does it set you free to do? It sets you free to live in the law of Christ, which is love your neighbor and love God. Christ loves you, and now you've experienced that. Now go show that love to other people. That gets us into Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. Look at that with me. Because the apostle Paul puts this right square on the nail head and tells us how this can, when we live it out, really make a difference in people's lives. Verse 2, Galatians 6. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. You know what carrying each other's burdens is? It's taken on someone else's pain. Someone said that compassion is your pain in my heart. Your pain in my heart. And we're going to take on each other's burdens. You can't do that on your own willpower. Sooner or later, you're going to give up. It's going to deplete. You can't do that under your own kindness. Sooner or later, you're going to say, these people are just nothing but a problem. You're going to need God's power to share each other's burden. Some of you in this room, you're missing a motivation. That motivation is love. The love that we receive and experience from Jesus, we can then go show to others. Jesus taught it to us like this in John chapter 13. He said, I give you a new command. Like, all the other commands were good, but this is a new command. Love one another just as I have loved you. 
you are also to love one another. Now, you guys know how to do this. Like, this, was, this is not a far stretch. You have experienced, you who have received Jesus have experienced God's grace. You've experienced God's love. You know what kind of words love uses. You know the kind of action, sacrificially, that love is. You, it's not a far stretch for you to go and love others when you've experienced the love of Jesus Christ. You don't have to go out and manufacture it under your willpower. Own willpower. You don't have to fake it, this kind of love. This is, this, it's never going to run out because the source is never ending of our, our love. It's the receiving of God's love so that you can give God's love. It's like this. You got it from God to give it to others. And the great part of this giving and receiving, this law of Christ, this law of love is you've experienced it. You know God's grace firsthand. And religion's not going to get us there. Legalism is not going to teach us to love others. It's not what it's going to do. But when you experience God's love, you're going to treat people not as they deserve to be treated. You're going to treat people the way God has treated you. Does that make sense? You're not going to treat people the way they deserve to be treated. No, you're going to treat people the way God treats you. God loves you and accepts you even though you don't deserve it, even though I don't deserve it. And he welcomed us into his family. And he says, would you accept the death of my son as, as your punishment, as, the, as what should have been your pain, as what should have been your sins on your life? And if you accept that, that's called grace. You can now live free. Guys, Paul's saying that's to compel us and empower us to love others and not just to think of ourselves Serving only comes when we get the right motives into the place. And, and when we get the right motives into the place, it's, it's a natural response for us to, to be compassionate to one another. You know what I find is so amazing? It, most people with experiences, they, uh, they want to tell everybody about it. Like if you have an amazing experience in your life, you go on an amazing vacation, what do you do? You go home, you tell everybody about the vacation. You show them photos that they don't even want to see, right? You're like, look, I took 6,000 photos on my iPhone. Every single one of them is great. You need to look at them all. No, no, we don't. We don't need to look at them all. Or you go to a good restaurant, and what do you do? You got to go to this restaurant. That's what you tell your, that's what you tell your friend. Or you, you see a good movie, and you go back to your coworkers, and you tell them about how good that movie was. Or, or you get that viral video of that cat chasing another laser in your inbox, and all of a sudden, now everybody in your contacts, you want everybody to have the same kind of joy you had at looking at that little kitty chase that laser, right? Yeah. <laughs> or how about this? The, the last this, couple of weeks ago, we were looking for a new bed, and my wife and I were like, we're done with this thing. This thing's killing us. So what do we do? We made the mistake of asking people what kind of bed they use. You ever done that? Because everybody loves their bed. Everybody has the best bed, right? And so I guess every, every manufacturer makes the best bed out there is what we've discovered. But what they're saying is, I want you to experience what I've experienced. I want you to experience what I've experienced. We do that with restaurants and movies and viral videos and beds and everything else. And Paul's assuming that you'll do that with God's grace. Like you just start telling people, here's what I found in Jesus and, and I want you to experience it too. I found this love in Jesus and I want you to experience it too. I found this compassion in Jesus and I want you to experience it too. And you've received it and Paul says, the law of Christ is you receive it and now you give it so that they can experience it too. And Paul said, you got your heart right, you got your motives right, that's good. Let's get our heart right and our motives right. Our heart is filled with God's love and grace. Our motive is we want others to experience what we've experienced. And Paul says that's going to change your life. That's going to turn you into a difference maker. And that's going to be the reason why you do things for Jesus. That's going to be the reason why you, you, you are motivated to go further than most would go. You're compelled by Christ's love, not out of duty, 
Not, not out of have to, but out of I get to. In Galatians chapter 10, the Apostle Paul turns this into a difference maker conversation when he says it like this. Therefore, we have opportunity. I love it. We have opportunity. That's, that's the key word here. We have opportunity. Let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. The opportunity that we have to show compassion all around us, it exists. And I just think some of us haven't looked beyond our own noses to discover it. So let me give you some ways, some simple ways that you can receive God's grace, which you've done, but now you can have others experience God's grace as well. First, you have to identify your circle of influence. Write that down. Identify your circle of influence. You know, God's put people in your life that, um, that you're responsible for. I, I can't really put it any other way than that. You're responsible for some people in your life. God hasn't called you to help everyone, but he's, helped you to, he's called you to at least help someone. And you're responsible for someone or some people. And there's unique people in your life that you can reach that I can't. The Apostle Paul summed it up like this. Here's what his attitude towards it in 2 Corinthians. We will not boast beyond limits, but will boast only with regard to the area of influence God assigned to us to reach even to you. And Paul says of his own conviction, I've got a limited reach here. I've got a limited reach. I can't preach like Peter preaches. I can't reach the same audience that Peter reaches. I've got a limited reach. And guys, I can't reach the people in your life that you can reach. I've got a limited reach. And, and for, for us to be difference makers in this world, it's going to take every single one of us to be compelled by God's love and grace to go out there and do this. Like you've heard the old saying, you can't help everyone, but, but everyone can help someone. Have you heard that before? You can't help everyone, but... Everyone can help someone. That's the idea that if you start loving in your circle and start getting people to experience God's grace in your circle, and I start getting people to experience God's grace in my circle and, and you in yours, well, I won't be able to win over the world by myself, but all of us together can win over the world for Jesus Christ when we just look at our circle and those who are assigned to you. And you're might thinking, who's assigned to me? Who's in my circle? Three real quick ways to find that out. Number one, you can look at the, my people, my places, and my passions. My people, like your family, that's like your key circle, right? If you're not influencing your family, you're missing why God has called you to that family. My, my people, my family, my friend group. You can, you, can, you can have those people experience grace that they haven't yet already. How about the people in my places, like my workplace? Some of you need to recognize that you're not at your job accidentally. You're not there just to collect a paycheck either and just to reap the rewards of your hard labor. God has uniquely placed you there because there are some unique people there that need your personality and your persuasion. Have you recognized that? That your place of work is a place where you can share your passion for Jesus Christ. Your place of work is where you can say, I've experienced this grace, and I want you to experience it. Some of you are in a school classroom that you don't enjoy. You've, you've already landed there. You're not there by accident, student. You're, you're not there by randomness. You're there because God has put you because there are unique people there that need your unique influence, your unique passions, your unique personality. Listen, God created you at this time in this place because he wanted you at this time in this place. And you need to be compassionate to those that are around you because those are the people that need your compassion. You need to be gracious to those in your circle because those are the people that need your, your grace. God's put them there for a reason. How about my passions? These are people that we just do hobbies with. Maybe it's guys you golf with. Maybe it's the girls that you go have coffee with. This is an easy group to have them experience the grace that you experienced in Christ. 
They, they already recognize you have something of some kind of interest. Now you can just openly share with them God's love and God's grace in their world. You know, Acts chapter 17, verse 26 fills us in on this idea of the responsibility that we have and the time, place, and purpose for we were born. It says, for one man, he made all the people of the world. Now they live all over the earth. He decided exactly when they should live, and he decided exactly where they should live. Guys, you know you were born in this place, at this time, in this community, or placed in this community for a reason. I hope you recognize that. God wants to use you to be a strategic difference maker right here in this area. This is not a randomness of life. And Paul says, listen, I know you think it might be crazy. And the the writer Luke in Acts says, I know you might think it's crazy, but God has put you in this time, in this place for a reason. That's, that's, That's nuts to think about. That God carved out the oceans and God heaped up the mountains and God spread out the galaxies that just blow our mind. And God looked at all that and he said, you know what's missing? You. You're missing. I need one of you too. And some of you are wondering like why you were born in the families you were born in, why you have the parents that you have, why you had this dad, why you have that dad, why was this person absent, why was this mom not there for me? God needed those two people to make you, that's why. And now you have the freedom to live for yourself or you have the freedom now to live for God and have others experience that same kind of freedom of knowing grace and knowing love. Know your circle of influence. Here's another way to be a difference maker. And Paul points it out. Meet people in their place of need. Go back to Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 with me. It says it on the screen, I believe, but it says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you'll fulfill the law of Christ. You know, that word burdens is not just like the word for responsibility. Like a burden is, that he's talking about here isn't paying your rent or paying your mortgage or, or keeping your calendar in line as it gets busy and making your family comes first. The burden that he's talking about are these burdens in life that we face from time to time that are crushing. Things that cash can't fix, but compassion can. Things like death, things like a rebellious child, things like depression, things like divorce. Cash can't fix that stuff. Only compassion can. And Christ compels us to be a part of that help. And there are hurts all around us. Friends, there are needs that can be filled and, and, and there are hurts that can be healed all around us. Just, just think about this for a moment. All the things that exist within us, all, all, the, all the needs that re, are in this room, all the hurt that is in this room, it just, it's just about having some, some perspective on life and recognizing beyond your own nose that there are people in this world that have pain and it causes them problems. And I think of uh, the physical needs that exist around us and meeting those needs. Only grace can compel you to do that. A guy by the name of Scott Shipman is a guy that he finds the need, fills the need, finds the, finds the hurt, and, and heals the hurt. Scott Shipman's in Vincennes. He helps a, with a, a group that he started called Helping His Hands. He's a difference maker. He wants other people to experience grace like he's experienced grace. And when there's tragedy in our nation, when there's a natural uh, disaster event, he sends out resources and people that way, not just to heal broken homes, but to heal broken hearts and to heal broken people. He sees it as not just a physical help, but also as a spiritual help. And I'm drawn back to 
people that attend this church, John and Andrea Gear, who are foster parents and recognize the need for, for clothing like immediately for foster parents. When they receive a child, that child comes with only the clothes on their back, and so they need clothes for the next day. So they've, they've started a foster closet that foster parents can go to and find the clothes that are needed for their kid that just received to them, and, and they can shop for them and get them in new clothes and get them all cleaned up and, and make sure that they feel special. And they did that because they've experienced that grace, and they, they know what it's like to be in that hurt, and they help to heal the hurt. You can only do that when Christ compels you. I'm thinking of guys like Art Nicewanger. Um, Art Nicewanger, his wife, Connie, entered heaven about three years ago, and Art knows firsthand the hurt of losing a loved one. He knows the burden of that, and he's experienced God's grace, and he's experienced God's gracious people, and he wants to, he wants to show other people that grace too. And so he's started what's called a grief share group, and that's a group that encourages those to, to walk strong and to be in the Lord, even though they're in the midst of grief and even though their life has been changed. He saw the need and he filled it. He saw the hurt and he helped to heal it. That's what grace does in our life. It compels us to go further than we normally would go. That group's going to be open for the rest of the congregation in mid-September. They're, they're, they're meeting together kind of in a leadership format, and that's going to be opened up to this, this congregation. And I assume people are, are going to go there because... The burdens of life can be so heavy and so crushing, and we need that encouragement. How about the burdens spiritually that we face? Maybe it's a father that doesn't know Christ. Uh, maybe it's someone in your world, a coworker that's relying on religion rather than a relationship. What I've discovered is people are spiritually tormented. There's all people around me that are spiritually tormented. They, they, they know about Christ or they believe in Christ, and they're just not living in the truth. They're not walking in the truth, and they know that there is a pull against them about right and wrong and what they should be doing and how they should be living and, and that they should be receiving grace, but they're just, they're just not, and they're spiritually tormented by it. And, and, and we're to share their burden on that. It's crippling to them, and we've got to intervene with God's grace, with God's compassion, not our own willpower. That's not going to take us there. And I'm here to tell you what Paul says. He makes it clear. We're to share each other's burden. But you know what he doesn't say? We're not to lift each other's burden. We're not capable of that. We're not capable of taking, taking other people's burden and relieving them of it. You know who is, though? The one of Matthew 11. You come to me and you'll find rest. Jesus. He's saying, I'll take your burden. I'll be the one that takes it. We're to share in it. He's to take it. Look at Galatians chapter 8 as we finish up here. Galatians chapter 6, rather, verse 8. Uh, the Apostle Paul talks about this other kind of law, not just the law of Christ or the law of love, but the law of return. And you know it. The law simply is like you sow apple seeds, you're going to reap. Apples, you sow seed corn, you're going to reap. Glad we have a lot of farmers in the room today. Yeah, this is the basics of biology that we're talking about here. The, the, the law of return or the sowing and reaping. Galatians 6 verse 8 says, whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let's not become weary in doing good. For the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we don't give up. And Paul's given us a warning with a promise. He's saying if you want to just sow your own oats for yourself, in their wild oats, you're going, to, you're going to receive something in return of destruction. But if you want to start sowing into people's lives something spiritual, like grace and compassion and mercy and the things that we've experienced in God, those things are going to come back, and we're going to reap a harvest of that. You sow love, you're going to reap love. You sow compassion, what are you going to reap? Good, not corn, right? Compassion. 
Good. I'm glad we're checking this out. We've, we know this. So here's what this looks like. There's a, there's, there, this, this should make a change within us. Let's just pretend like driving down Highway 50, a, a, a Ferrari comes screaming by you and nearly runs you off the road. And you're with your family and you're upset by it. You slam the wheel and you honk the horn. But that guy is long gone. And about a mile up the road, you see some smoke coming out of the ditch. And you see the tail end of that red Ferrari coming out of that ditch. Now, some of you would think, good, he got what he deserved, right? Or you could pull over and your heart could break for him and you could see that there's a man in need and you could fill it and see that there's a man who is hurt and you can help heal it and you can call a wrecker, you can bandage his wounds and and attend to him as the ambulance comes. The first scenario of he deserves it is the law of Moses, is legalism. He gets what he deserves, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. You know what the law of Christ is? Being compelled that even though you've been wounded and even though that you've been hurt, you pull over and say, there's someone too who has been hurt also. I experienced their pain in my heart. And you don't, you don't treat people the way that, that they deserve to be treated anymore. You treat them the way that God treats you. That's how God loves you. That's how God loves you. God's not waiting on on you to get everything right in your life. That's how God loves you. God's not waiting for you to hit all the exacts of perfection. That's how God loves you. God's not waiting on you to get all your bad habits removed until he loves you. That's that's how God loves you. God's not waiting for you to get every hang-up habit and hurt out of your life. That's how God loves you. God loves you right where you're at today. Friends, the best way to find love is to find God. And to find God is to to find Jesus. He hasn't made it hard. He hasn't made himself hard. He stretched out his hands. He's not hidden. He's saying, here I am. I'm here to receive you. And I can't think of a better day today than to come into those welcoming arms and experience grace, experience compassion, experience his love, and experience his forgiveness than today so that you can go and you can return that to others and serve people for all the remainders of your days. Amen. Can we pray together? Father, I'm thankful for the way that Paul concludes this and how he propels us to serve. May we have a desire to do that, not out of duty, not out of guilt, not out of our own willpower or kindness or goodness, but because Christ is in our life and we've experienced his grace, we've experienced his goodness, and we want to show that to others. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.